You're listening to Leah and Alana watch The X-Files. Leah's seen it. Alana hasn't. I'm Leah. I'm Alana. Today we're talking about uh, Season 2, Episode 4, Sleepless. And as you guys know, I've seen The X-Files before. And as you may have figured out, I don't remember a lot of the episodes from the early seasons, but I did remember this one. So I thought that was pretty cool. And I wanted to share that with you. Well, congratulations. I'm so happy for you that you remembered one. Is there a specific reason why you remembered this one? Um, I don't know. I mean, there were obviously ones from season one that I remembered, but this one, I read the description and I was like, oh yeah. I just had a very clear memory of kind of the end of the episode where they're like in that weird part of the train station. Um, Mm -hmm. But I think this one's just interesting. Like the idea of someone being able to like project a dreamlike state onto you and like, I don't know, murder you through it. Is pretty fucking powerful. Yeah, it also kind of um, plays around with the myth or the legend that if you die in your sleep, you die in real life. You actually die. It does a little bit. That's a good point. Crazy that we'll never know if that's true. Have you ever had a dream where you died? No, but I mean, if someone did and they died, it's not like we can ask them. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I guess we know because we've never died in our dreams, but like, that doesn't mean, I mean, I haven't done a lot of things in my dreams. I had a dream <laughs> where I kind of died, except not really. I just remember. That, like, I was hooked up to a heart monitor in the dream. And in the dream, it started, like, uh, what's the word? It's, like, my heart was stopping and the heart monitor was, like, freaking out. And I think my heart did stop in the dream. But, like, it didn't go as far as, like, I died. I think when that happened, I woke up. Mm. Right. So you didn't die. Maybe I was close to dying, though. Maybe if I hadn't. Woken up, I would have died. Well, I'm glad you did wake up and didn't die in real life or in your dream. Um, I think if you did die in your dream and it's not true that you died in real life and and you lived, I think it'd be pretty traumatizing to have that dream. But yeah, I'm glad we. I, I don't know. I I don't like the thought of it. <laughs> Can we talk about something else? <laughs> The thought of me dying or of having a dream where you die? Both. Both make me equally upset. I'm like, let's talk about episode five. (laughs) Um, I thought that this episode was interesting. And I also thought maybe intentionally, maybe not intentionally, it kind of played around with a couple horror tropes. I mean, this like plot, kind of reminded me of 
uh, Nightmare on Elm Street and like Freddy Krueger mm-hmm. killing people in their dreams. But also the main bad guy in this episode is the guy who plays the titular role of Candyman in the horror movie Candyman. So we got a couple different horror references here. Interesting. I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I guess I can see the Nightmare on Elm Street connection. I guess it's just that, like, these guys don't sleep at all. But they're still, like, what they're seeing is not actually happening. But it's happening to them. It's, like, real to them. But it's not physically there. Um, and this one guy is manipulating other people's dreams. Right. Right. He is Preacher. Preacher. He has a real name, but I think we should call him Preacher. Um, out of respect. Yeah. yeah, these guys are uh, Vietnam veterans. And were part of... I guess an experiment where they eradicated their ability to sleep. And so they all haven't slept for like 24 years or, and slowly but surely, I guess the people from this, uh, I don't know, troop, army, army troop are being, (laughs) I don't know how military works, are being killed. Um, in these sort of strange, mysterious ways, the episode starts off with a guy who, you know, calls 911, his building's on fire, there's fire all around him, the fire department gets there, there is no fire, uh, but he is dead. Um, and it's because preachers, you know, manipulating their mind states, I think is the formal term for it, and, um, that's, that's what's happening. Yeah, that is what's happening. I thought it was interesting that the episode begins in New York City. Uh, the episode is called Sleepless and New York City, as we all know, the city that never sleeps. Oh, you know, I thought you were going to make a reference to Sleepless in Seattle. Um, mm. Because they do go to New York in that movie. Um, but we'll save that for our top next <laughs> podcast. Yeah, and I think I probably would have said that had this opened in Seattle. I would have said, you know, oh, no, but like you know. sleepless in Seattle. Sure. I, I think I think that you're right. That's a more direct connection. But, you know, as we know from seeing the movie numerous times, they meet mm-hmm. in New York at the top of the Empire State Building. It's like a whole, woo, romance. Tom Hanks That's and true. Brian, there's no better duo. Um, and I imagine if they were sleepless in Seattle, they would also be sleepless in New York, the city that never sleeps. You are so right. How do we get back to this? <laughs> I don't think we do. I think we just keep talking about sleepless in Seattle. So the movie opens. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> there is something about this episode. Where there's a man that is working this case with Mulder, who, as I I guess you know, as you've seen the whole episode, 
is important and we should pay attention to. But he is the guy that was in the episode Gender Bender, who wasn't killed by Marty, the gender bending alien, after almost hooking up with them at a bar. And I was like, I can't believe that guy was in an episode before. He's in it later and he's really important, but I can't tell you anything about him. It was this guy. It's Alex Krychek. So I do remember you saying that during the gender bender episode. I did not recognize this guy. So I'm glad you have reiterated that because I would not have known. He's in like one scene and it's like poorly lit in that episode. But, you know. I wonder what it was about that scene in Gender Bender that they were like, we got to get this guy back. Yeah. I, I sometimes I think they just forget that they've cast people before because they cast so many guest stars. Although it's been like probably less than one year, so I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do have to say that I uh, immediately hated Alex Krychek. Is that how you say his last name, Krychek? Krychek. You nailed it. He shows up. He shows up. He's got slicked back hair. I just, his vibe was off, and I was not into it. I mean, you have incredible judge of character, so. I know. I know. And... You know, I'll I'll go more into this later, but I'll just say, because you said, you know, I have incredible judge of character. I think that this role that Alex Krychek plays should have been filled by Phoebe Green. Um, no. (laughs) For uh, numerous reasons, but... I think so. I think as you continue to watch the show you might drop that opinion but you might not maybe you'll hold it forever but the point is that you're wrong and um phoebe is where she belongs in london or hell and um we don't have to think about her i think you know so alex shows up and is kind of Mulder's partner in this episode and i can only assume might continue to be his partner for a little while but uh, like I said as soon as I saw him I just immediately hated him and obviously he has an important role in the storyline but you know people immediately hated Phoebe too and she never came back and I think that it's unfair that I'm gonna have to deal with this guy who I already hate when they didn't bring Phoebe back because people hated her I mean, you just, I just, you have no clue what's coming with this guy. Is, is it cool? That's true, I don't. It's like, I mean, you know, it's like that. And, um, (laughs) you know what I mean. So don't even. Descriptive? Descriptive. Yeah, I got it. I got it. Yeah. Yeah. No, 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 it's good. Um. Yeah, he is kind of immediately, well, who the fuck? And yet, I don't know, Mulder kind of seems okay with him at a few points in this episode. And I'm like, come on, man. Kind of. There's a lot of points where Mulder does not seem okay uh, with him. And I agree with that. And I just, 
I just want to make the prediction that I, I don't know what's going to happen with this character. I don't know how long he's going to be around. I don't know what he's going to be responsible for. But I predict that I will hate him the entire time. We'll come back to that. And you'll have to update us on how you feel. That's all, I'm, that's all I'll say. I will. We'll do an Alex cry check check-in every episode. A cry check-in. Cry, cry, yeah, cry check. <laughs> Before we get too far away from it, I do want to talk about Mulder's first scene in this episode. Um, specifically the outfit he's wearing. So I think he comes into his apartment and he's wearing what I think look like very 90s mom jeans. Um, and he's wearing kind of like a peaches, a peach, peach-ish pink uh, t-shirt. He's got white tennis shoes on. Um, you know, he's got his hair the way that his hair normally is. And I, I don't know if this is accurate to say, but I feel like he is dressed kind of like, um, I think a, a queer woman would dress now. Mm. I think that you're right. Um, because I saw his outfit and I was like, that's cute. I'd wear that. Uh, mm -hmm. I thought this spot on. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but he does look, he does look very cute. Um, which is nice. It's nice to see casual Mulder, you know, just running around on his days off. Yeah, I thought he looked great. I've never, or at least I can't remember ever seeing him in like a pink shirt before. And I think it's a great color for him. I fully agree. In that scene, he like steps out of his door to grab the newspaper and yeah, there's a tape inside, whatever, whatever. Someone specially slipped it in there. But I I started thinking, do they deliver newspapers to your specific apartment door? Was that a thing? Is that a thing? Could I get that done now? Um, I believe it at least was a thing. Um, it could still be a thing. I imagine that's more true of like big apartment buildings that you know maybe they have a doorman maybe they have more people mm -hmm. that like work there during the day as opposed to kind of you know the apartment buildings you and I have lived in where it's just chaos <laughs> yeah you barely get your mail let alone a newspaper delivered to your door yeah yeah I guess you did live in an apartment that had no, you didn't. Did your first apartment in New York have a doorman? No. Just a man named Paul. But he was not a doorman. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah. I, I imagine if, if there's somebody working in the apartment building, they probably deliver the newspapers. Well, I'm really glad we got to the bottom of this. Um, We're prob I'm probably completely wrong, and there's somebody out there listening to this like, what the fuck are they talking about <laughs> yeah yeah but um here in the x-files world you get your newspaper delivered to your door or maybe no but he, you know what it's really not important a tape is inside of it that you know as we kind of later learn and can assume even from the beginning that this kind of informant 
that has been in contact with Mulder uh, slipped in. And it is of the the 911 call from the beginning of the episode about the fire. Mm-hmm. But there was no fire, you guys. None. There was no... There was no fire, but the guy believed there was a fire. And so Mulder knows he has to investigate this, um, which he, of course, takes to Skinner and he asks Skinner if he can. And during this conversation, I thought something Mulder said was pretty interesting. He says, um... I think I think maybe Skinner asked him how he got this information or something, and he says, my source, the only one I've ever trusted, is dead. And of course he's talking about Deep Throat. And I just find it interesting how, I, obviously they're not taking on Mulder's grief directly, but I feel like a lot of these first few episodes of season two have in some way kind of dealt with the grief Mulder is feeling about Deep Throat having been killed. Yeah, they're kind of sliding in these little comments, little moments um, about it, but definitely never addressing it head on. Mulder does seem to be getting better, though. Obviously, the first few episodes... We talked about how just terrible he was doing. He was dirty. He was only eating sunflower seeds. He was angry. He was depressed. And he seems to be more and more himself each episode now. Yeah. He's, you know, he's getting his groove back. And that's what we like to see. We love to see it. Groovy Mulder. What we don't love to see is Alex Krychek becoming Mulder's partner. We don't like it. Uh, we wish it wasn't happening. Uh, but alas, there he was, fucking working with Mulder. But Mulder was still like, mm, I have to call Scully and keep her up to date on all the details of this case that I'm working. And I'll probably just use her to autopsy this body anyway because... I wouldn't trust anyone else to autopsy anybody I come in contact with. Right. Of course not. And Um, good thing he called her. Yeah. She was very helpful. Um, And I thought it it was interesting. I noticed that when he called her at the FBI Academy, somebody said, I believe the name was George Hale. George Hale is on the phone for you, Scully. So... I thought it was interesting Mulder's using little code names for himself. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I assume he doesn't want people to know that they're, like, still kind of working together, like, in contact. But, like, did they previously agree on a couple names? Or, I mean, maybe she'd just take any phone call if someone was calling for her. (laughs) Right. She's just like, yeah, I guess if they've called me, I should talk to them. I don't know. I loved that moment because it just felt to me like a very, like, classic crime show moment where Mulder uh, had called Scully and Scully's like, what's going on? And Mulder's like, I was hoping you could tell me. And I just think that that's a very classic crime show line where they're just like, yeah, I thought you could figure it out. Like, (laughs) 
Yeah, I think that might be a little bit later whenever she's done the autopsy, but you're right. That is kind of like a very, I think, classic crime show line. Like, I need you to tell me, but everybody's confused. Yeah, exactly. No one knows what's going on here. I was hoping you could tell me. (laughs) Something that Alex Krychek says to Mulder, I think around this point, was also interesting to me because he says, so he's trying to get Mulder to trust him. And he says, you know, there are some people at the FBI Academy that made fun of you, um, but there were those of us who followed your work and believed in it. And I think just like either way, Mulder's kind of famous, like maybe very famous. Like imagine how many FBI agents there are, but seemingly all of them come into the FBI Academy or at least leave the FBI Academy knowing who he is and having an opinion on him. Yeah, it just, like, what was he doing that was so, like, noteworthy that, like, all these years later, like, he's been an agent for a while, and yet, I mean, I guess they know him now also, but, like, it seemed like people that went to the Academy knew him, and he had this reputation, like, even at the time, and it's like, I mean, he's everyone knows him as the spooky he's spooky that apparently there are no other spooky fbi agents and so they all talk about Mulder. i'm just thinking of Mulder in the fbi academy like being presented with a case that maybe seems like a normal case and he's just like no it's a ghost or like no it's the jersey devil and it's just like a typical murder and he's like it's an alien. Like, he had to be throwing those out in his FBI Academy classes all the time. Yeah. he. W- I could see him, like, you know, being one of those students that, like, stands up at one point and they're, like, you know, like you said, going through some probably run-of-the-mill case. And he's like, but did you guys think that maybe with this evidence that it could be the aliens? Like, just adding... And then, I mean... I wish that I could pull that off in my classes, but I don't do that kind of work. But I'm going to start suggesting aliens just to see what happens. Oh, I think you absolutely should. Um, I mean, you want to make a name for yourself, too. So I think you need to start doing that. This is the way to do it. It's, you know, establish a spooky reputation and be remembered forever. Mm -hmm. Exactly. We have to talk about how jealous of Alex Krychek Scully is. From the the second she first meets him while she's doing the autopsy, she is immediately just so jealous of him. She's like, that's my partner. That's my partner. Um, Yeah, she like whispers what she finds to Mulder, like doesn't want to at all really interact with Krychek, which... I mean, her instinct is right. But, um, yeah, she's she's incredibly jealous. She does whisper to Mulder what she found, but also Mulder, like, the way, the blocking of his body when he's talking to Scully about what she found, he, like, literally blocks out Alex and, like, just, like, totally cuts him off from being able to see what Scully is even saying. Yeah, they're like, you know what, you're not actually part of this. What's happening here, you're not part of. 
Yeah. And he shouldn't be. Yeah. And they have a conversation on the phone later on where her jealousy kind of comes out even more. And she's like, you know, like, do you like your, your new partner and, or like working with him or something? And it's like, oh, Scully, honey, it's okay. Yeah. We need to talk about this because I thought that conversation was so important. I wrote down a few lines from it. Let me see. Okay. So. Yeah, Scully says, sounds like your new partner is working out. It must be nice having somebody not questioning your every move um, because Mulder tells her he's kind of like more open to believing things than he thought he would be. Um, And when Scully says this, Mulder is like, it's great. I can't believe I put up with you for so long. And I think what this conversation showed me is, I mean, they're clearly both very in love with each other, but this conversation it just really highlights Scully is very in love with Mulder and very jealous of him having another partner, but also Mulder truly has no idea uh, uh, how Scully feels about him. I think whenever she's like, Oh, this new partner must be nice. Like she's in like so much pain and he is obviously well, like, well, it's not nice, but I'm going to joke around and say that like, it's fine. And I can't believe I put up with you for so long because he really truly has no idea how much this is affecting her. Yeah. I think that you're spot on. I mean, he's a man. What can we really expect from him? Mm -hmm. He's, I mean, I'm perhaps she's good at hiding it. I would not necessarily say so, but he Mm -hmm. is not quite picking up on what she's gently putting down. I don't even know if I would say that it's gently. I mean, I think like her voice in that conversation and obviously like they're on the phone so we can see her face and he can't, but I think just like everything about her in that moment is like screaming how in love with him she is. I think Mulder probably needs like incredibly explicit information otherwise he's just probably just can't really fathom that someone would be in love with him I just get that vibe but he's like I need you to say it with words and actions and I need to know I'm not gonna make any assumptions here I'm not gonna go down that path yeah I think that's totally accurate I also want to say, this is kind of connected and kind of not, but, you know, I just think that Mulder should have been suspicious of Crycheck the second he, like, said that he believed, because if he's not allowed to work on the X-Files or with Scully, why would they ever let him work with someone that is you know, also into spooky things or would be a supporter of Mulder's or would be interested in the things he's interested in when they're trying everything they can to stop him. It's like, Mulder, come on, man. This is not some nice gift from the FBI that you get someone that supports your crazy-ass theories. Right. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, for most of this episode, Mulder is kind of keeping things from Alex because he doesn't trust him. But 
at one point Alex confronts him about it and is like, you know, I'm behind you. Like, I want to know what you think this is. Like he literally says, I want to believe. Mm -hmm. Um, and when he says that, I was like, oh, this dude is playing Mulder like so much. I don't trust him at all. And then Mulder tells him this, what should be an insane theory, even though it is accurate, that there is a man who can like project dreams onto other people and kill them that way. And Alex hears this and has no questions. He's just like, yeah, yeah. He's like, <laughs> I'm, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in. I was thinking the same thing, basically. <laughs> yeah, no further questions. And that's absurd. Mm-hmm. Even if... Oh, no follow-ups on that. that that's fine. I'm, I'll take exactly what you gave me there and run with it. I just feel like even if you truly did believe in these things, like, I have some questions still about how you got here. Like... Totally. I'm on board, but, like, let me know your process. (laughs) Yeah. Like, I need to understand how you got there. I need to understand how you think this is working. Like, give me some more information. Uh, But Alex doesn't need that because he's not very trustworthy. He fucking sucks. So, eventually... um, Mulder gets a call from his friend in the FBI who has been giving him information and the guy wants to meet up with him. So Mulder meets up with this guy and we get to see who this guy is. Uh, we, d- we don't know anything about him. I don't know his name. I just know what he looks like, but we do get to physically see this person who is now helping him. We do. Yeah. I kind of couldn't remember if we hadn't, seen him yet just since I knew who what he looked like already and I guess they haven't said his name and so I won't I won't spoil it but he does at least I don't actually know his name I just know the code name that he winds up going by um and it's not deep throat too um so Hmm. so you know is it deeper throat Yes. Um, No, but I think when you hear it, you'll have less questions than you did about Deep Throat's name. Um, We'll see. Although, maybe maybe they never say it, so maybe I'll eventually just have to tell you. But yeah, I'm gonna wait. You know, I'm gonna wait. Okay, well, I can't wait to find out what it is, if they ever tell me. I do love in that scene, you know, he's, like, talking to Mulder about this info, and Mulder's, like, trying to figure out where he got the information and all this stuff, and he kind of mentions how Deep Throat died to find out this stuff, and he's like, and I am not willing to do that. I'm like, why are you doing this then? Like, <laughs> no, I think that's fair. I mean, I think it's okay to have boundaries. He's like, you know, I want to help you, but I don't want to die. And I think that's a fair line to draw. Yeah. And like, especially not like, you throw died for Mulder, like to get Mulder back. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's the ultimate sacrifice. But um, this guy is like, listen, you get kidnapped. 
I'm not trading my life for yours, okay? So don't fucking get kidnapped. Don't get yourself into any situations where I have to come save you because I'm not going to do it. So just, like, you know, let you know now up front. Which I guess you're also boundary. Yeah. He also tells Mulder... Um, he says, separating you and Scully was only the beginning. The truth is still out there, but it's never been more dangerous. So, I, I mean, we kind of already knew that they separated him and Scully on purpose, but he, this guy makes it, like, pretty clear. Like, they're doing this intentionally to stop you, and also, this goes way further than that. Yeah. You know, as we're discussing this, I'm just realizing... That all of this is so much more interesting than the actual, like, episode plot about this killer. I'm like, I don't even know that I want to mention it. Like, (laughs) there's so much else going on, really. Like, that's just kind of background stuff that they happen to be, you know, trying to find this guy that kills people in a dreamlike state. Yeah, this episode did make me go, like okay, now this is really episodic television. Like, the episodes here, the information here is laddering up to each other. And even though the cases are different, there is some through line between each episode that is, like, the story is progressing there, which wasn't necessarily true in season one. Yeah, I don't think that that stays true, but it does kind of. There's definitely more through lines, but there are definitely still episodes where you're just like, well, that has nothing to do with what we've been talking about for a while, but okay, that was fun. And then maybe two episodes later, they, you know, bring the line back and connect things and talk about the main plot points again. But there definitely are still going to be some where you're like, I guess that we just did that instead of what we were doing before. Yeah, that's fine. Um, it, it at least seems like it's less than in season one, because season Mm. one, it was almost like every single episode was like that. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. They're really ramping up the show's mythology here. But basically, I mean, the way that this case connects is that whoever is trying to stop Mulder is clearly trying to hide this information about these government experiments that they were doing on soldiers. Because what we find out, of course, as you've kind of already mentioned, is that um, Mulder gets these files on these sleep eradication experiments. Uh, they, like, fucked with these guys' brain stems and made it so they wouldn't sleep at all. And uh, Preacher hasn't slept in 24 years and is now killing the doctors and any remaining soldiers who are still alive. Because when they were Marines not sleeping, they killed a shit ton of people. And all of these Marines who are still alive are kind of dealing with the guilt of that. Um, And they specifically, the government specifically, took sleep away from them to increase their aggression and make them kill more people. Yeah, it's a very um, disturbing plot that like, sounds in line with what the U.S. government would do when at war. But I'd like to hope is not ever happening. 
Yeah, I, yeah, I imagine that they do do experiments maybe similar to this. I don't know if I believe total sleep eradication is possible, but I'm sure that they do things to um, some soldiers in experiments to see how they can make them better soldiers, i.e. better killers. Right. Even just like psychological mind games would, you know, contribute to increased aggression and tendency to kill, I guess. Um, <laughs> war. <laughs> um, <laughs> Something yes. we also learn is that uh, these Marines that are still alive who aren't sleeping anymore um, basically take antidepressants, I think, to maybe help some of their symptoms because they, they say that serotonin is produced during sleep, which I don't, I don't know that I knew that. Yeah, I kept thinking, I was like, is that, is that something I knew, or did I not? And then I was like, I can't think of the brain chemicals that I know, and I, apparently we maybe both learned something new. I mean, I knew serotonin is a brain chemical well, that sure. we need, um, I just specifically didn't know that it was produced during sleep. Well, thank you, X-Files, for giving us a science lesson. Yeah, thank you, X-Files. I feel like I'm becoming smarter every day with this information that I am not fact-checking. I mean, that's probably true. That's a weird one to just throw in there. Probably something that everybody fucking knows and we sound super dumb. Well, uh... You know, what we learned in Genderbender, which we've already mentioned, um, that we're unsure if humans can produce pheromones or not, that is true. So I'm going to assume this is true also. Yep. This um, lines up, you know. So far, they haven't lied to us about humans' chemicals. Uh, you know what? Let's move on. <laughs> They go to find Preacher, and he's, like, not in the facility where he once was, right? That was actually him. And so he escapes because he tricked them into... It's not important. And then they go, and they find <laughs> uh, another vet from this same troop. They, like, realize that they're all coming from the same... How do they organize the armies? Troop wrong? <laughs> I think troopers, right? <laughs> I don't know if there's a specific wording for Marines, but I think troop is fine. Okay, great. So this Marine troop, they realize they're all from the same one, all these guys that have been dying, and they get the name of another guy who's still alive, and they find him, and he's the one that tells them, gives them the file, and then tells them about the doctor. And they realize that that's the person that Preacher will be going after next, is the doctor that performed these experiments uh, on these men and really, you know, fucked up their lives. Yeah. And then 
uh, Mulder and Alex try to catch this guy at a train station, and that is apparently what was most memorable to you about this episode. It was very, I don't know, something about that scene, and I guess just, like, the concept of, you know, making people, yeah, I think probably really it was, like, him preaching and talking to the doctor. And then, you know, like, all the soldiers are the ones that come and, like, pick up these knives that he set out. And he's, like, he, like, screams at him. He's, like, you know, like, you know who it is. Like, you know who's coming. And, like, then they come. And that's, I really burned in my brain, I guess. Yeah, I mean, this guy who is playing Preacher is an incredible actor. I mean, he just has like a gravity to him that makes this role really memorable, I think. Yeah, I agree with that. So props to him for, you know, playing a role that I actually remember on an old episode of The (laughs) X-Files. I'm sure, you know, he'd be honored that I remembered. Um, I did think for a second in this episode that Mulder had been shot yet again, but uh, it was a dream. He thinks that he sees, or I guess he actually sees this doctor and preacher in the train station, but I'm a little unclear on what was a dream and what wasn't. Basically, he sees this guy and preacher, preacher pulls a gun on him and shoots him. Mulder also has his gun out. and he believes he gets shot, and then he kind of falls down and passes out. And when he wakes up, Alex is there telling him none of that happened, and neither of them were in the train station. Yeah. Um, I don't have any clarification on what happened there. (laughs) (laughs) Because the thing is, is that... Preacher does kidnap this doctor, so yes. he must have been in the train station with him and kidnapped him, but some part of it was a hallucination on Mulder's part. Yeah. And then, like, wouldn't Crycheck lie? Maybe. He would lie, but I think the thing is, is that... From what Mulder sees, Preacher shot at him. Like, the gun goes off. He gets hit with a bullet. But he doesn't actually get hit with a bullet. Right. He is alive and well at the end. Thank God. Yeah, that's the way we lost him. I mean, whew. In a dream state. (laughs) And so, I mean, I guess, really, we're, we're kind of at the end here. Where we have our big reveal of motherfucking Alex Krychek in the FBI with the smoking man. And they're all talking about shit and you're like, oh, he works for them. And you just know it's bad news. Yeah, so basically he was spying on Mulder and he's reporting back to the smoking man and a few other people about what's going on. And specifically, 
He says, Scully is a problem, a much larger problem than you described. And the smoking man says some kind of ominous thing about how there are solutions to problems. So that's kind of uh, scary for Scully. Uh, It's incredibly scary. Um, The smoking man is, you know, to be taken seriously. That's a scary fucking dude. And clearly now they have someone on the inside that is kind of working to gain Mulder's trust, whether or not he really gained it in this episode. Not really, but, you know, he's getting in there telling him he believes, and really, I imagine that's what Mulder wants more than most things, is someone that believes his crazy theories. So they're hatching some plans here. Yeah, and also we learn that Scully's office was broken into, her report on this case has been stolen. Also, Mulder's case uh, file on this, I think, was also stolen. So neither one of them have any information left over about this case. Yeah, it's basically, you know, a classic case of they figured out something important and so immediately it was taken from them. Uh which is just, I mean, an exhausting thing that has happened to them before and is happening to them again. And, you know, well, what happens in the future, I won't say. But if you see a pattern. I do see a pattern. <laughs> it's hard for me to know how long Alex Krychek is going to be in this show. It kind of feels like they're setting him up to be Mulder's new partner while Scully is sidelined. And that makes me think he's going to be in a lot of episodes, at least for the foreseeable future. And I don't like that. Yeah, I mean, I could I could tell you, but I won't. But I, I think... Well, no, I just won't say anything. Okay, here's what I'm here's what I'm gonna say. If the smoking man had enlisted Phoebe in this job and had her be the one spying on Mulder, at least while she was doing this, there would be some sexual tension that was happening, and that would be fun. The is all I'm saying. Audience does not want to see Mulder. By the audience, I mean me. Does not want to see Mulder have sexual tension with anyone other than Scully. Well, the audience, which is me, does want to see Mulder have sexual tension with anyone, and. To be honest, I don't think that he has sexual tension with Alex Krychek, but I am going to be looking to see if there are fan fictions that exist that pair these two together. Okay, definitely do that, but definitely be careful because you will probably find out things about Krychek that you should not know. I'll wait until the end of season two, and then if that's still not enough, uh, I'll just have you look for them. Yeah, I'll just look for them. Don't worry. I'm like, I already have a file. I'll just, I'll just pull it out. <laughs> I think that, like, the idea of Alex Krychek's character, 
I don't know. I think that there is a way that, like, obviously he could be a bad guy, but I would still be interested in him. But the way that this is set up is that he's, like, a new green FBI agent. He's, like, very eager. He's, you know, very deferential to Mulder. And I just don't find that dynamic very interesting at this point. Yeah. Uh, I agree. Fucking boring. It's not what we came here to watch. No. And I just think it would be more interesting if it was Phoebe Green. That's all I'll say. That's the last thing I'll say. We will all say that the next episode you might find interesting. It is called Dwayne Barry. And our Hulu description is a former FBI agent who claims he was abducted by aliens takes several people hostage. Interesting. A lot of different, you know, pieces of information there. A lot of alien talk, you know. We're getting spooky again. Very excited for that episode. Well, in honor of Dwayne Barry, who we'll find out, you know, more about next week. Aliens, my goodness, if you are listening, please come get us. We're scared. Woo! Woo! Woo!